This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, here we are. It's a Tuesday edition, the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. want to thank you for making us part of your morning. Uh, you know how it works, 694-1055. Get us in the app at WNSP.com. Got a few things to bat around this morning. Good morning, Mr. Trevanian, sir. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Before we even bat anything around, and we are on a pitch clock, we do have a few giveaways to announce, all right? At 6.30, when we do the Chick-fil-A, I've just been notified. We also have tickets for the boat show this weekend. So it's it's a doubleheader. You get uh, Chick-fil-A, and you can stop and get a Chick-fil-A on your way to the boat show if, uh, if you're going down there this weekend. So stay tuned for that. And then at 8.20 this morning, we're going to give away JAG baseball tickets for the Friday night opening series it's an invitational. They have uh, Pepperdine. They'll be playing Pepperdine this Friday night. Start out on a really good note. Congratulations to the St. Luke's Boys 2A Wildcats. They advanced to the state title game. Garrett Trawick, who is no stranger to getting to title games, but still has not won one yet with St. Luke's. Uh, he'd been there in 1A, now in 2A. They won yesterday. As you know, Mark, uh, they had like a 17-point lead. It got down to one, but they preserved and they they hung in there and uh, they win the game so they'll take on Aliceville this coming Friday I think that's like a morning game around 10 30 10 45 up in Birmingham so we have five opportunities for a, a blue map a trophy and at least St. Luke's is still in the hunt and that's that's great news today UMS Wright girls will play later today uh, their coach will be joining us later on Kind of a, a bad news for the Lakers as they vie for the um, playoffs. They're in a dogfight now. They're not too far out as far as, you know, that 10th and the 9th play in position, but they may have to go a ways without LeBron James. He was hurt the other day. They, it's kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's day-to-day, -day, but one report had him missing a couple of weeks, and it, it's not really set in stone. I know he's not going to play tonight against Memphis, Hopefully he can get back in there because, my gosh, he has played in 47 of the 61 games, which goes to, which goes to that story that Charles Barkley came out with. But he's not the first about load management, but he's been averaging about 30 points a game. So kudos to him at the age of 39. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, so, we'll, so he said something popped, right, yeah. uh, initially when he had the injury, and then, but he continued to play. There doesn't seem to be consensus on the extent of the injury, but if he's going to miss some significant time, and that's significant time, then clearly uh, he seemed to be more in tune with uh, with his body than what the the doctors initially said. Yeah, and you got there's only like about 22 regular season games to go, but like I said, there there's like four or five teams up there in a logjam. Another interesting story. It seems like every week Brandon Miller was being chosen SEC freshman of the week six times this year he has won the award i don't know if he's won it player of the week yet I, I can't remember but i know it's been freshman of the week well coming off this week despite all the drama he had 65 points and double digit rebounds and he did not get an honor this week the uh, freshman of the week went to nick smith who was on the arkansas team 
and he he was he played well, but I mean they lost. They lost Alabama. Yet he gets freshman of the week, even though he averaged, I think he averaged 25 points in two games, so that would have been 50 points uh, far below uh, Brandon Miller. And then Oscar Tshiwi, and I'm probably saying his name wrong. I've heard it so many times, I ought to know it by now. He got player of the week in the SEC, even though he averaged just 23.5 points per game in their wins over Auburn and Florida. So what I find interesting is because obviously now – the conspirators are saying the SEC is trying to distance themselves or low-key Brandon Miller. I don't, I'm don't. i not so much concerned about whether he got the seventh freshman of the week. What I'm interested in now, Mark, next week they announced player of the year and the freshman of the year. And quite frankly, I don't see how you can pass. To me, he's the player of the year or at the very least freshman of the year. I'd like to see how this winds up next week. Well, so here's my biggest problem with this, and this was something that kind of got debated a lot when when the news came out that he was not the player or the freshman of the week. If he's if he's playing, and he is, then he has to win that award. Or what's the award for, right? It it, it seems like you can't have it both ways, SEC. You can't you can't be okay with him playing, but not promote him because of everything going on. It's got to be one or the other. You don't have a problem with him playing, then he needs to be up for the award. It's not an Alabama issue. It's not a Brandon Miller issue. This is an SEC issue. Everybody that played is eligible to win that award. And it was clear that he was the best player on the court for the conference, at least as a freshman or whatever category he was up for. He has to be recognized for it. Now, you, you can't you can't be like, well, uh, we don't want to put any more spotlight on the kid. Now, that's not how this works. Now, if, if he wasn't the best player, then we don't have an issue here. But clearly he was. So the SEC needs to... to, to they were going to get flack either way. They really were, right? But if he's playing and you don't have a problem with him playing... You got to make him the the freshman player of the week. There's no one that came close to him, right? Right. I mean, there's no one. But this is very transparent, which is, yeah, we want him to play because it's good and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we clearly yeah, don't want to make a big deal. No, no, no. I'm not buying into the, uh, the the let's say the the thought process that well, we're trying to just you know give the award to somebody else. Finally, no, I'm not buying into that. But like I said, to me, this becomes a bigger issue if next week. Regular season ends Saturday. Prior to the SEC tournament, the major awards come out. Coach of the year, player of the year, freshman of the year. Brandon Miller, it's quite obvious to me, he should be the player of the year. I'm going to be very, very interested to see how that comes out. At the very least, freshman of the year. My gosh, he's like the freshman of the year in the entire United States, okay? Or wherever they're playing basketball. And he's up there for... Player of the year nationwide, I would think, uh, averaging 20 points and, and doing what he's done. And again, removing yourself away from anything that's happened. Because if he, but here, here's my question. So if he does win it next week, the question I have for the league is why didn't he win SEC freshman honors this week? 
And if he doesn't win it next week, you're oh. still asking, what What are you all doing? Well, if he doesn't win it next week, then you got then you know for sure that there's some kind of uh, uh, effort being made to distance themselves away from this. But I have a feeling he's going to get one of those awards, maybe both. I doubt he'll get both, but I, I, I have a feeling he's going to get something next week. He has to. I mean, to. do you think people would have been up in arms had they given it to him this week as the SEC Freshman of the Week? No, I think it's become an everyday occur- every week occurrence. He's won like six of them. Right. So I, I it, it, it almost feels like by not giving it to him, you're putting more spotlight on the issue than had you just done what you were supposed to do and give it to the best player of the week. I mean, it's not like, it's not like you have to show any t- – even if you had to – The award is simply based on performance, right? Correct. I don't see what the issue is here. The SEC just getting in its own way now. Well, it's kind of, it's pretty obvious when the freshman of the year is on a team that lost to the other team whose player had a sensational week, plus a game-winning basket against South Carolina. And even Kentucky's player, he's good, but Brandon Miller's stats were better. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of, it's dumb, really, is what it is, and very transparent. So they're okay. I mean, the SEC is okay with Brandon Miller playing, basically, is what it's saying, but seems not to be okay with him winning an award he clearly should have won. Why is that? Well, we all know why that is. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you guys can jump in on that at six nine four one zero five five. Uh so a couple other things. Uh, we're going to talk a little high school basketball today. Uh, you mentioned Terry Canova. Uh, he will be on at 630. Uh, Travis Wire will get his thoughts on the whole Brandon Miller thing, among other things, at 7 o'clock. Jerry Palm at 730. Uh, Dean Blandino scheduled to join us at 8. And uh, Richie Riley at 830. And you mentioned a couple of uh, the giveaways as well. Yeah, uh, Dean Blandino is the... Uh, rules analyst for Fox Sports and also uh, has a lot to do with, well, you see him on these XFL games. He's the one they go to in that uh, private little booth of his whenever there's uh, any controversy or anything like that. So uh, since the XFL has been visible and we've talked a lot about it, I thought it'd be kind of interesting. And and to go beyond the XFL, I mean, maybe again, you know, we, we talk about some of the the quirky rules that are in in place now in the NFL and what's a catch, what isn't a catch, and things like that, and maybe update on that. Um, something else I wanted to mention, baseball, since you brought it up yesterday, this weekend with the advent of the pitch clock and I guess the batter's clock, this uh, weekend's games were 23 minutes shorter than spring training games at this time last year. So I guess baseball is maybe uh, headed in the right direction and trying to speed up the games. They said the average spring training game was just two hours and 38 minutes. So maybe they're maybe they got something going. Hmm. Maybe it's almost worth a controversial bases loaded full count. You know, my feeling on that is the umpires, I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think the umpires have been told to get really strict about this. But I don't think you would see that happen in a World Series or a playoff game or maybe even a major league game. Now, I could be wrong on that. Uh, And I'm talking about a 3-2 count, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth inning, 6-6 game. I I just can't see that happening. Now, I think let's get it out of our system in spring training. 
Yeah, I well, the, to your point though, it, it might be a, a deal where if you train everybody now to do it, you don't have to police it later, right? Because it's kind of they've kind of fixed it themselves. If you get everybody into the the groove of getting into the batter's box or delivering that pitch in the time in which you'd want now in these meaningless games, they'll be in that routine when you get to the postseason, and so you don't have to police it. So ho- hopefully, it's it's. It continues, right? I mean, that that would be ideal is you get to about two and a half hour games and you're not penalizing teams for taking too long. You have the best of both. Two and a half hour games. My gosh, that's when I was going back in the 50s and 60s. How about that? Um, Damon Lillard, not too happy. You know, he scored 71 points the other day and then he was drug tested and he was complaining about that. And I guess I don't blame him. I mean, he must have been exhausted. (laughs) <laughs> and so what's his reward for the 71? Hey, hey, get over here, buddy. We need to drug test you now. Yeah, you know, it's it's never made sense to me. There is no drug that I'm aware of. I mean, Nick might know better than me. Recreationally, well, that's, of course. That's, I don't know, Mark. That seems like you're trying to throw him under the bus there no no i just figure he's such a a, a, a well uh what what, versed is, he? what is, he like a pharma- is he a pharmacist i just don't understand why leagues feel like what drug out there is going to let him go out there and score 71 points that's a what drug good. is going to be out there that's going to let a kicker hit from 63 yards or whatever it is why is it that we always a league always quote-unquote randomly drugs the guy that has the huge game well Look, I'm not an expert on this. I've never taken any of that stuff, but I would think there are some drugs out there, and I'm not saying he did. I mean, drug testing goes on all over the place in sports and probably in businesses too, but I would think maybe a drug that keeps your adrenaline going or you know keeps you, uh, your mind on the game or keeps you you know from getting exhausted from going up and down the court and launching up about 40 shots a game. Well, I mean, they used to be called well in baseball. They had them. They were like greenies or something. They had these little pills. I don't know what was in them, um, but they used to be almost like taking M and M's way back, you know, before baseball got strict. And players talked all the time. They just like amphetamines. Those were. I guess that is that what it was. Like it may have been, yeah, just to keep them keep them up, you know. And I that that was a given in baseball years ago. And of course, that was before the steroid era. Now, you know, things have kind of clamped down. All right, well, uh, let's do this. Let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. You guys can come back uh, with your phone calls at 694-1055. Someone wants to know, how can we explain the term blue map and how it came to existence? I don't know why we... Bouncing. Hart. Corner three. Puts it in. Josh Hart from downtown. And the next backup by 14. Six twenty-four. Welcome back in. A little ejection there. Yeah, and the Knicks six-game win streak. I'm not used to that, Mark. I'm not used to the Knicks being on a winning streak like that, especially late in the season. So it looks pretty good now, unless they fall flat on their face, that they make make the playoffs. But again, we're getting closer now. It's like I said, each team with about 22 or 23 games remaining. I saw that story, and you also did with Sister Jean. First of all, 
I'm not so concerned about her prediction, uh, who's going to win the uh, NCAA men's championship. The fact that she's 103, an amazing, what a career. She's the uh, chaplain for Loyola of Chicago's and basketball team. And still going team. strong, apparently. Yes. 103 got a new book out. and uh, Appearing on, what, yeah. a good, good Morning America? Yeah. She says it's Kentucky. She's predicting Kentucky. Well, I mean, they're on a little bit of a roll there. They are. They're doing so. well. So I, I was just pleased to see that. And, uh, I haven't looked even – I haven't even checked Loyola Chicago. Are they are they a chance to get in this year? So Because if they do, then, of course, the TV cameras will be all over Sister Jean. But I'm just amazed. 103. Good for her. Yeah. She was out promoting a new book or a memoir. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how many people do that at that age? Yeah, and it was something like uh, I'm trying to remember the name I of it. I think I'd do that when I get into my late 90s. I'm going to do that. My my days with Mark and Nick. That's yeah. what I'll do. Her the name of her book: Wake Up with Purpose: What I've Learned in My First Hundred Years, which I think is <laughs> That's pretty great. good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, what do you guys do? have you seen this story about the? Um, this is kind of a hockey story in, in that it happened at a hockey game, but it's not actually about the game itself. Did you see where this kid for the uh, Florida Panthers as a fan was on the Jumbotron and chugged a Coke? Did, have you seen this? No, I have not. No. So, just, you mean just chugged a Coke? Yeah. Did you see this, uh, Nick? So this kid was, they flashed him up on the, the, the big board, and I guess the kid saw that he was on the big board. So he did what people do, right? So he had a, uh, I guess he's one of these like 16 ounce drinks. I mean, it's a pretty hefty drink. And dude just slammed it back and did not stop until it was over. And the fans kind of cheering him on. And it was. Um, Reminds me of Elf. Remember when he. Yes. Remember when he drank the big had, bottle at the spaghetti? Elf, yeah. He <laughs> did a two liter. That was very. Yeah. It, it had Elf like vibes. But. Um, the uh i guess the there was a little bit was of backlash was there a belch i would have think so a kid I, how old do you think the kid was nick 10 11 maybe 12 i was gonna say nine nine all right uh he looks like he's probably done this before would you agree or disagree with that nick um maybe Maybe. I feel like the crowd energy really just took over his body, and he couldn't help himself. But it to looked, give the crowd I, what they wanted. Was it a Coke? It was some sort of. It was some sort of soft drink, right? Because mm. it looked kind of like it was red. Yeah. Um, but um, dude was watching while he was drinking. Um, he was kind of watching himself on the video. I mean, it was actually pretty good talent to be able to s slug that and watch the video. And then he was cheering, but um, he was all pumped he got up. Lit after he finished the drink. Yeah, too. I mean, he's like flexing, pumping his chest. Yeah, I think there was some stuff on social media about how a kid probably shouldn't be too much sugar. Yeah, a little too much sugar, and probably shouldn't be slamming. I think soda is what they call it up in those parts. Yeah, but I'm like, come on, it's just a game. Kids having fun. Yeah, that was always an issue when I came down here. I always referred to it as soda. But it was caught my attention. Was it pop? 
Was that what it it's was? It's never when, popped. It was when I came down here. No, it's never been popped. But it's, well, it was. Up, in, up north, maybe it's popped. No, it was soda up north. It's always been soda or pop, but it's never been pop down here. Well, when I came down here, the term I used was totally different than, and my thing was soda. Y yeah. I can live with soda. I can't live with pop. What else can you what live you, with? What are you it's calling a, it, Mart? Generally, Coke is a generic term down here. Oh, no, no, no. Or soft drink, which is a little wordy, but it's not soda and it's not pop. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just call it soda. I was trying to think of something. No, you stupid. don't. Yeah, do you really? If, if I if if I said, "Hey man, what type of drink is a Sprite?" What would you say? It's Coke. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a soft drink. A carbonated beverage. And that's that what you go to the restaurant. You ask for carbonated beverages. No, I ask for Coke. And they say Pepsi. I say Dr Pepper. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Alright, 632 going early today. I like it. Yeah, well, that's because we have two giveaways today, and we'll be giving away some Jag baseball tickets for Friday night's game. But first things first, Chick-fil-A gift card plus an addition. Two tickets to the boat show this weekend, which will be at the convention center. So you're going to get fed and you're going to get admission. How about that? To the boat show. Here we go. Name the college basketball program that's got the most NCAA tournament wins without ever winning a championship. Okay. All right. Obviously, you wouldn't pick Kentucky or UCLA because they've won a championship. I'm talking about the program out there that's won the most NCAA tournament games and never having won the uh, championship. All right. I know a coach that's looking for a championship, Terry Canova. He's with uh, UMS Wright, the girls. Terry, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, hey good morning, guys. Happy to be with you. Happy that you're still around, right, to play. Absolutely. When you guys are calling me this time of year, it's a good thing. You love it, don't you? You've been uh, coaching at UMS Wright for a long time now. How many times to the uh, Final Four? This is this is our third time, Lee. All right. Why is this going to be the year? Well, you know, I, I think we just got a team that's very, very unselfish. We got a team that plays for each other, and. Uh, you know, we we just uh, we just have, have had a knack for for getting it done. I mean, it's just a little bit of a mystery in, in some some regard. When was there a point in this year's uh, season, Coach, where you're like, man, this this team's got a shot? I like what I see here. It's kind of coming together. Was was there kind of a light bulb moment for you guys? You know. Mark, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but but you know we started the year out. Uh, you know we graduated five seniors last year. We felt like we missed a big opportunity last year to not get to the final four, and 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 we kind of started the season out saying, you know what, for for a rebuilding year, we, 
we're pretty doggone good. Yeah. And then it just kind of it just kind of continued to evolve, and and you know we we, we put a pretty good schedule. I, I think maybe when we we went to Gulf Shores during Thanksgiving, and we played a uh, a Fort Walton Beach team that was really good, and we beat them. Uh, we we uh, in the first game we we lost a lead right at the end to May Jemison uh, that that we felt like we could put the game away, and we we lost that one. But but I think we learned so much in that loss that that we it really started snowballing from a, from us. So I would say kind of around that Thanksgiving break. Yeah, you talk about a, uh, people saying it's rebuilding. I think you only have like one senior on the roster. Is that right? We've got two this year. Okay, yes, two. So the, I mean the the I know we're talking about the now, but the future looks awfully bright. Well, we 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 are in a great situation right now. Uh, you know, we, we got two seniors, and look, don't get me wrong; these two seniors are tremendous for us. I mean, sure. but but we we've got a, a very strong core of underclassmen, uh, and, and and heck, now, next Saturday, our sixth grade team is playing uh, playing for the state. Uh, <laughs> For the state championship up up in some kind of city league deal up here in Birmingham. So, so yeah, we we we're doing pretty good right now. You know, this is a good time to be a bulldog for sure. Well, tell us uh, about some of the uh, the players uh, and and that have helped you get to this point, and what's the biggest obstacle uh, here in, in 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 the stretch run for you guys? Well, for us, uh, it, it it starts with, with our point with our point guard Bailey Robbins. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, it's 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 a little a little early for me. Uh, starts with ba- Bailey Washington, our point guard. She's one of our seniors. She she just she kind of she's a leader of our team. She's a, she's a quiet leader, but but she kind of gets things going on the floor for us. Elizabeth Metter is our other senior. Elizabeth, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of days. Elizabeth's about five seven, about 130 pounds, soaking wet, and she had to had the duty of guarding the six three post player from Jackson last uh, in our last game. Yeah. But not not only did she fight and battle, uh, she, she took four charges, and then she was the one that made the three point shot to put us ahead for for good in the game. So just two tremendous leaders. Uh, Elizabeth's little sister Amelia. Is 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 become a key player for us. Uh, she's a junior. Noel Freeman, our inside player, is a, is a, a double figures uh, scorer. Our lead rebounder, tremendous. And we got another sophomore that starts, uh, Ellie Mostella. That's just kind of our defensive uh, go-to player. Um, you know what's it look like now? Um, you know, Price was good. Price was really good. They're a lot like us. They they look very similar to us. They've got two seniors. They've got uh, two sisters on the team. Uh, they they're hungry. They're they're a little bit bigger than us, but but not much. Um, maybe a little more skilled than us, but but I think defensively is where we really need to step it up and and kind of kind of make a difference. I, I think we. we we put a little more pressure on the ball defensively, and I, and I think that may be you know what we've got to do today to to, to get it done. Terry Canova, our guest here on WNSP, you guys reached that thirty win mark. That that's such that's such a difficult accomplishment to reach, simply because we don't play a lot of games. But at thirty and five, you guys have beaten some pretty good teams here. On do you feel like you're playing your best basketball at this point? We really are. I mean, T.R. T. Miller just getting out of the subregion. They were tremendous. I mean, I mean, Mark, I, that that team 
scared the fool out of me. It was hard to sleep for a couple of days thinking about playing those guys in the sub-region. We get past them, then we get a ranked Geneva team who who was really good. And then th- th- then came Jackson. You yeah. know, Jackson was the team everybody thought would, uh, would, would come out of the South. You know, two college players on their team, one going to Alabama. And uh, I kids just believe. They believe in each other. They, they, they compete for one another, and, and, and they're gritty and tough. It, it's just it's really been a fun ride. And, and like you say, 30 years is hard. 30 wins is hard. You, you know, well, I've done this for 30 years, and this is the first time I've ever gotten 30 wins. So it, it's absolutely tough, and, and I'm just very, very grateful for, for where we are right now. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough. Your UMS right team will play, uh, I believe, at 3 o'clock today at Birmingham's Legacy Arena. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, we look forward to seeing that celebration video up on social media at some point. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Hey, I, I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us on. And, uh, man, I, I hope you guys want to talk to me again here in a couple days. Sounds like a plan. We, we'll, we'll put you down, sir. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Mark. We appreciate you guys. Yep, that's uh, that's Terry Canova. On the subject of uh, women's basketball, last year one of the standout players in this area was Kelsey Thompson Davidson. She went to South Alabama. She has been named the Sunbelt Conference Freshman Female of the Year. Congratulations to her. Uh, We got a winner. Elvis won, by the way. Elvis did. Congratulations. Nice job, Elvis. Gonzaga. I think they have 38 NCAA victories, tournament wins, without ever winning the title. Uh, the Combine is coming up this week, and it's been announced that Bryce Young is not going to throw. He'll go up there for interviews, maybe some other things, whatever they do. But three quarterbacks that you are familiar with say they will throw. C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. But not Bryce. He says, I'll wait to pro day. Yeah. Um I go back and forth on this. I think guys that decide they're going to throw probably need to get a little bit of credit here uh, to go out. I'm always a fan of the guy that's willing to go out and compete and, lack, for lack of a uh, better term, interview for the job. Uh, but I certainly understand why guys don't. We've We've created a system here where you don't get penalized for – I don't want to say not doing the right thing because it's not necessarily wrong not to throw, but I love the guy that's willing to go out and prove himself and show what he's got at every opportunity. See, I, I'm with you on that, but again, he's being pegged as the number yeah, one quarterback. I mean, there's no, so. there's no upside to but, Bryce throwing. Yeah, and I understand the comfort level and you're back in your home field and doing all that, but, but can't you take... I don't know what they do up there. I, 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 do they just throw receivers at you, or can you bring your own? Can no, you bring your own receiver? No, you can't. You can't. They, well. they, they, and that's why a lot of them don't, because yeah. at the pro days you can, you can control that constant, right? Well, they're more concerned about the quarterback and how he throws, not so much the receiver then, right. because if they don't, you know, if the receiver is not one of the better receivers. But I'm with you too. But it's, it's difficult for me to say what I would do. I mean, I'm with you. I like the competition factor. But my gosh, he is going to be supposedly, allegedly, the number one quarterback taken. So uh, I, I feel that the, there's something there that why take a chance? Right. So as the as a fan, I want to see these guys throw, even at the combine. If it were me, I'd do exactly what Bryce is doing, which is not throw. So I don't know if that makes me you know hypocritical, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't throw. What if it was your son? I pro and and he was Bryce Young. Well, like, yeah, like in the yeah, same, like yeah, same, he's going, yeah, right. 
Would you I, would you suggest he throw or just no. uh, wait until he comes back to Alabama? I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest he throw. Okay. I would uh, because I I think those in the know when it comes to the NFL and the combine know it's all about the medical. When you get up there, that's what you're going for. The networking. You can you can throw and compete at the Senior Bowl. I'd probably have him. Well, I haven't seen yet if Stetson Bennett's going to throw. Yeah, <laughs> that's to me one of the huge stories. If in fact he shows up, I haven't seen anything yet as to whether Bennett. And I know he just can't wait for the interviews. Uh, by the way, uh, someone in the app. If anyone says soda or pop down here, you immediately ask where are they from. I think that's I think that's fair. That's fair. Uh, no, I'm telling you, when I moved down here, that was a big deal when I would ask for soda. You mean pop? No, I meant soda. You don't like pop. Soda's better. When did you ever drink soda? Oh, it's been a long time, Mark. We're, we're, like the, time. the high test regular stuff or the diet stuff? Were you a diet caffeine-free guy or no, were you like... never, never. It was the real deal. I came off soda at the suggestion of my urologist. That's probably a good suggestion. Yes, um, because I was having problems. But anyway, um, not to get into that. But anyway, I I love soda, especially cherry flavored. Ooh, oh, now you're talking my language. I used to drink cherry flavored soda all over the place. Yeah. You name it, whether it was the Seven Up, whether it was uh, Pepsi, Coke, Cherry Seven Up, anything like that. With a cherry flavor. No, I drank a lot of soda, especially up north. But, boy, when I moved down here, after after a couple of years, the urologist said, you know, you might want to get so were you So were you like a two or three Coke? See, I'm no, a two I, or I three carbonated beverage guy no, a day kind of thing? Probably one. Probably one. Oh, but I didn't bad. like a lot of ice in it. You know how they fill up these drinks with a whole bunch of ice? Yeah. Now, even when I go out, uh, well, it doesn't matter because I'm ordering water. But I tell them, just don't go too much on the ice. But have you ever noticed, and I'm sure you have, the difference in a glass at a restaurant with ice and without, the difference in how much extra liquid you get? It doesn't bother me as, as long as they keep topping it off. I ain't got a problem with how much. Actually, the, the colder it is, the better the drink. So put lots of ice in there on, uh, for me. Just, you know, as long as there were free refills here, I, I got no problem with that. But, hey, we got something in common. Cherry-flavored carbonated oh, beverage is the way to go. That's exactly. cherry flavor. I couldn't get enough cherry-flavored. I feel like you're forcing the word carbonated beverage. Yes. Well, I, did, I didn't want to say cherry-flavored Coke and then upset any. Six fifty-two. Wrapping up hour number one. Going a little movie theme there. How about that one, Lee? I was looking for a theme to introduce Garrett Trawick with St. Luke's uh, basketball team because they were victorious and they will move on to the uh, championship game this Friday. Garrett, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. What time did you get in? I think it was around 1 a.m. when we got in. Well, little after one. I, I'm so pleased your phone rang this morning. That's a good sign. <laughs> tell me about the game. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the game yesterday. You, what I read, you had a huge, a, a nice lead, but then it shriveled down really? a little bit. So. <laughs> 
Huge was a huge was a good word. Um, you know that that way I can use that for for my guys. Um, yeah, as a coach, we we I never feel comfortable with any leads. Never, never, not once. Obviously, when you see how the game is being played today, uh, the way the three balls being shot, and the way Morris Hill had, had played all season, and everything that we had saw in film going into the game. I mean, those guys uh, moved the ball well shoot the ball well, um, and so we knew they weren't going to lay down. They were the state runners-up last year. Um, that was just kind of some of the conversations having with my guys. Hey, these guys have been here before, had a taste of it, and obviously we're, we're in an opportunity to win the whole thing last year, so they were hungry where our guys had not been there, um, this bunch that I've coached. And so it was really a, a, a battle of who wanted it most, but we knew they weren't going to lay down. Um, I get a lot of that stuff. Hey, coach, you know, you had me on the, the, the edge of my seat. Uh, my dad, my mom, my wife, administration, and I always tell them, try, try being the coach on the sidelines sometimes. Uh, but my guys found a way to, to get, it go, get it done and give us a chance to, to go play again on Friday. What's your philosophy on timeouts now? You got this team making a run at you. What was running through your mind when they were coming back, and how should you play it out? Um, I'm someone, you know, you try to pay attention to, to, to the greats of the games, and I've been blessed enough to, to see Coach K in action and, and Roy William in action before these guys retired, paying attention to, to them and the Popoviches and, of course, legendary Phil Jackson, uh, he never wanted to call a timeout. And you hear Coach Popovich uh, from San Antonio Spurs talking about how his coaches don't have a million timeouts to, to bail you out. Um, and in that run that they made, some of it obviously uh, was some early indecisive decisions that build up to, to some pressure turnovers um, right there at the end. But really try to sit on them because you don't know what's the, the game, how the game's going to go. Um, and really try to sit on them late for any situational things uh, we need late in the ballgame. Coach, uh, congratulations, man. Uh, how much of maybe your quote-unquote coaching at the end of the game was just trying to settle your guys down and, and just not so much the X's yeah. and O's as much as it is uh, just trying to keep everybody kind of level-headed and, and continue to do what they've been doing all game long. Uh, and that's really what it is. You know, they always talk about, I think, the, the halftime adjustments. You make little tweaks here and there, but it's really um, how you play, and that's that's kind of what you're reminding them. That's what I'm reminding them in the timeout uh, when you're trying to sit on them. Hey, guys, at that time, we're, we're one foul away from the bonus. Um, you got to be aggressive. You got to take contact, jump ball, possession arrows, hires. So be ball strong. They're going to go for the ball. If you get in a tight spot, we want to sit on these timeouts, but don't be afraid to burn them. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's pretty much what it was in that timeout. Hey, and everything's kind of leaning towards our favor. You've got to get the ball. You got to want the ball. You got to expect that pressure. And that's kind of what these moments are made for for players that that want to accept that challenge. Uh, you know, the, the old adage, man, you got to make your free throws. Free throws are so crucial. And, uh, you guys might be the poster kids for that after last night, especially down the stretch. Uh, yes. But if you paid attention to, to this team early on, um, those can drive a, a coach crazy. You know, when you boil it down to the things that you fight for, um, you know, the, the, 
free throws, rebounds, and turnovers. And then what's called 50-50 balls, you always want to say that's at least a, an 80-20 advantage our way. Um, but free throws are a huge key to that. And early on in the season, we've lost some very close ball games by one, two, three points. And those free throws matter when you look at it in the long run. That can make or break you uh, in, in winning or losing. Coach, uh, it sounds like you need a little tea or something there to, to for them vocal cords, man. We you, you need to get back to tip-top shape for the next one. We we wish you the best of luck, man. Uh, congratulations on all the success. It. Yes, sir. Well, and, and I'm assuming uh, you've got a big game coming up uh, tomorrow pretty early in the morning as well. Yeah, what's with these AM games, man? My, my, my body just ain't used to that kind of thing. I can't handle the stress that early in the morning, Coach. I don't know how you do it. But man, I tell you what, you know, and, and that's some of the things us coaches preach when you're in the middle of those Christmas tournaments when yeah. hey, everybody else is on break, but you're, you're playing, you know, kind of got onto my guy saying, hey, you want to you wanna compete in the finals or play for a state title, they're going to have you up early. So here's a good rep for that. And just imagine if it was, if it was that game, how prepared would you be? Um, so that's why you do that. But yeah, those AM games, you, you got to get adjusted to them and, and get in routine for it for sure. Hey, well, uh, get some rest, man. Congratulations to you and your guys. Uh, very cool story, and uh, best of luck moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. There you go. St. Luke's headed to the uh, state championship game. So I, I'm not sure I know the answer to this, so I'll ask you, what's more difficult for you, being a spectator, as you will be tomorrow, as your son and McGill Tulin playing the 1030 game, or coaching on the sidelines being a spectator. That's what I thought. It's out of your control. Yeah. Not that not not that when you coach it's really in your control, but you have an outlet to 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 vent. And sometimes you're you're not so much concerned well, you're concerned about the score, but there's so many things, other pieces going on. Yeah. Whereas you're sitting in the, the in the seats and you're, you're constantly looking at the score and then what's going on and of course you're hoping for your son to have a really good game but then again i've never really coached at that level either so well, maybe maybe coaching. i might be i don't know that the stress and pressure of it all might make me crumble uh hour number two travis ryer jerry palm coming up you continue with your comments in the app at wnsp.com it's the opening kickoff mark and lee from the studios of wnsp Opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number two here on a Tuesday. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. One of the major headlines we just talked to, Garrett Trawick of St. Luke's. The Wildcats advanced to the state championship game in 2A boys after their win yesterday over uh, Mars Hill Bible, 63-56. They'll take on Aliceville. 
this coming Friday. Uh, we talked about uh, Bryce Young decides not to throw at the Combine this coming weekend. They're all going up there for the Combine. He'll take part interviews and some other business up there. Some of the quarterbacks that are throwing include Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. Let's bring in uh, Travis Ryer so we can talk some Alabama sports with uh, Mr. Ryer from uh, Bama Online 24-7. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. So we had an interesting conversation today. Did the SEC deliberately snub Brandon Miller for, let's say, freshman of the week honors, which he has won six times and by far and away had better stats than uh, Nick Smith? You know, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, you go for 41 and basically carry your team to a road win, even if it is against South Carolina. Uh, that would seem tough to, to beat. And then he goes for 24 in a head-to-head matchup with Nick Smith. So I think the credentials were there once again. Maybe it was a spreading of the wealth because Brandon's won it so many times. And you know, Nick Smith Jr. was an anticipated guy, more so than even Brandon going into this season. He had some injuries earlier in the campaign, but has been really good of late. So it almost feels deferred in a way for Nick Smith Jr. that we're starting to see some of these accolades for him. And um, but I don't know. You know, it's uh, that, that's something that the league office would have to answer, and I don't. I don't think we're going to get that from. How about, them. Yeah. How about this? All right, you give the freshman of the week to Smith and then make Miller the player of the week because he had better stats than the Kentucky center. But what I'm interested in now, what happens next week when the league announces its player of the year and freshman of the year? Yeah, I mean, that should be, in my opinion, a clean sweep for Brandon Miller. And um, I I think if that isn't the case, um, you know, unless there's a – a caveat I'm not aware of that you can't win both, uh, then, yeah, I think that more so than a, a weekly honor would would raise more than a few eyebrows if it isn't Brandon Miller for both of those. Travis, Alabama pretty much has clinched first place. I know they're in a tie now. All they have to do is win one of the two remaining games, Auburn or, let's say, Texas A&M or both. Uh, the best A&M can do is tie. Your thoughts on this Tide team, are they playing some of their best basketball now, or do you feel the drama surrounding him uh, has maybe taken away uh, some of their play? Is that a possibility? Well, I think it's, you know, it, it's just a sad fact that, that a senseless act that, that robbed a young person of his mother is going to be intertwined with this season. I think that's unavoidable. It's inescapable, unfortunately, more so for the family of Jamia Harris than anything basketball related, but um, no, I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting because when they got down nine there in the first half um, at halftime of the Arkansas game, that's when you maybe wondered a little bit if this was starting to weigh on this team or just everything that comes with the grind of a season. And then you add in um, again, this tragic situation uh, with the way that they had performed, a sluggish performance at South Carolina, and then a half of basketball in which you know they were pretty much outplayed by Arkansas, I think it's fair to say that was a thought that was running through the minds of more than a few folks, probably. Uh, but then they come out and they answer with 58 points in the second half and and uh, turn the tables in terms of dominance in that game and uh, just showed a real competitive will. Uh, to get the job done. So I think they answered some of that positively there 
in the second half. It'll, it'll be interesting tomorrow night because this is an Auburn team that's really limping into this one after a 32-point loss on the road at Kentucky. Now, I, I don't think motivation will be as much of a problem for Bruce Pearl with it being Alabama. Um, but I think both those teams might have a little bit of that to answer uh, tomorrow night. Again, though, with it being Alabama and Auburn, uh, you, you would think that would be beneficial to both coaches. Out of curiosity, that other issue that evolved Saturday, the pat down and Brandon Miller, were you even aware of what they were doing even prior to that? I mean, his introductions uh, in games in Tuscaloosa? No, not really. Um, I, I hadn't paid any attention to it, really, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's interesting because it, it became such an issue on, on Saturday. Um, but I'm going to assume that it was something that even after the events of the previous Tuesday uh, with the probable cause hearing uh, and, and the whirlwind and, and blowback in, in relation to Brandon Miller and, and Alabama and uh, everything else that came with that, I, I'm going to assume that the, the same routine was followed in Columbia in the midweek game. And I guess no one caught it in that one. And, um, it carried over into to Saturday, and I think yeah, you've got a PR problem if your head coach is having to start multiple press conferences or come back and make clarifications or you know make statements that you know things are going to be rectified in certain areas. Uh, just kind of summed up the stretch that that Alabama's had uh, from a PR perspective, really, for the last week or so. Travis Ryer is our guest here on WNSP. Has this uh, is there a comparable kind of event or season in Auburn in Auburn in Alabama athletics that you uh, that that you've covered that it felt similar to this whole Brandon Miller thing? I wouldn't say to this extent, but I think if you go back even two years ago, I mean, you had a pandemic, yeah, and and Alabama won the SEC title in in twenty twenty one and. Um, kind of wrapped up that season with a, a sweep of Auburn in Tuscaloosa almost two years ago to the day tomorrow. That's going to be the same situation that has Alabama has in front of it. And then to have again, um, you know, this tragic situation uh, intertwined with this season and this team, uh, you know, I mean, you, you think about two years ago and, and, and um, you know, how many people lost their lives to a pandemic uh, it, 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 I wouldn't say it's exactly to that level. I, I think it was personal two years ago. Um, when you think about, you know, Alabama losing one of its, if not its most noted fans, um, that season to COVID. Um, but, but again, how senseless this was, uh, involving Miss Harris and, and that whole deal is, uh, it's inescapable. I don't think there's any way it won't be associated with this team and uh, this season for, for years and years to come. How about the Alabama football schools, Auburn and Alabama, really direct, direct aim on Liberty College. Can you What can you tell me about the new Alabama coach that's coming in? Yeah, right out of the Hugh Freeze tree, I guess, with Robert Bala. And um, I know we've heard some comments from – uh, Hugh, in relation to the friendship that he's had with Nick and kind of, uh, I guess, the, the confidant role that they've had for each other. And, and Nick does. He talks to a lot of people when he goes through these processes of hiring, even at the positional level. And that appears to have been the case again with Bala, a guy who has certainly traveled the road less traveled 
throughout his coaching career, going from junior college to NIA, NAIA to the FCS level and then to Liberty in the last year or so, and here he is at Alabama. So another one of these guys that hasn't reached 40 years of age and, and looks to be uh, finally rising. Uh, again, he, he has paid his dues. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So you always look for some you know, some uh, relationships that you can tie into certain situations. It looks like that's the case here with, uh, with Bala and Freeze and Saban. All right, Travis, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Tell people how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama, including uh, the end of the uh, SEC basketball regular season. Just go to BamaOnline.com or Alabama.247sports.com. Either way, it'll get you to us. Good talking to you, Travis. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Yep. Uh, you guys can get in there uh, at uh, WNSP.com. You can uh, also uh, give us a call at 694-1055. Here's what we'll do. We'll do a scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, Dave McCrary at LC Car set to join us. Jerry Palm will get his thoughts on uh, where the uh, Crimson Tide and Auburn, for that matter, stands in the in the landscape of college hoops. We'll do that at 7.30. Dean Blandino at 8 o'clock and Richie Riley at 8.30. Plenty left here on a Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCrary, LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com, joins us here on WNSP. And as the weather trends to the more of the warming conditions, you have a little something for everybody, sir. Uh, we do. And I'm going to tell you, if this weather doesn't change, we're not going to be able to afford to live here because it's so nice. <laughs> but with our weather getting cold and hot, um, there's nothing better than a hardtop convertible. When it's cold, you keep the hardtop on. When it's hot, you put the soft top on or just we'll take it off altogether. All right. So <laughs> tell me more, sir. What do I need to know about this uh, convertible? We've got a... It's a classic car. I just bought it the other day. It's a 1995 Mercedes SL500R with 80,000 miles, and it is nice. And it's a car that you can buy for 12 grand and put in the garage and have it convertible anytime you want it. I see the the wheels spinning in Lee's head over there. He's 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 curious. I think you've piqued his interest. What, what color? Champagne. Okay. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> oh, oh, look at right. Now we're cooking. All right. I'll buy you some glasses. How about that? All right. So how do people, when, now that everybody knows that Trevanian's interested, he's just going to drive the prices up. They're going to want to get over there and get over there pretty quick. When's the best time to come see you and where are you located? <laughs> uh, we're there from 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 2 on Saturday. You can um, come see us at Highway 90 and Plantation in Theodore. That's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. Give us a call, 251-375-0068. Or go to the website, and you can see the pictures. It's lcmmotorcars.com, and it's a Mercedes SL500R. And check out our other inventory, too. we got about 70 cars on the ground. All right, that's what I'm doing right now. As we get off the air with you, I'm going to the web, uh, the site right now to check it out for Lee, and I'll race him over there, man. Thanks for everything. We'll be in touch. Have a great day, guys. Yep. You don't have a chance. I don't have a chance of, of beating will, you? Nah, my Prius will just... 
Pizza. Well, you know, I, I'm in a rental today. Oh, you are? Yeah, because oh, I'm having right. some You're work f- done. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you will then. I mean, well, I was telling Nick yesterday how funny would it be if the the rental I got was a Prius. Didn't you didn't? I I almost in in hindsight I should have asked for one just so that I could. Well, you got a lot of experience. miles coming up this week, right? So, and you're going to use your rental. The reason I was laughing, and and I'll tell you, and it's probably it, look. I know I'm going to bore almost all our audience, but I've been binging. It's not going to stop you. No, I was uh, binging on. I, I've told you about this. Binging on a show that was back. Oh, turn of the century, Harry's Law with Kathy Bates, and last night's episode was. She was going quail hunting in her Mercedes. That's what got me when he said that about the Mercedes. She was stopped by law enforcement because she was going through this small town, which they had a new ordinance. You cannot ride a foreign car into our community. And that's what it turned into a big episode on that. That's why I was when he mentioned about the Mercedes. Harry's Law, 2011, drama, two seasons, starring Kathy Bates as Harriet Harry. Harriet Harry, you know who, and is I her told name? You, yeah, you know who I also told you is in that one of your favorites, uh, Christopher McDonald as Tommy Shooter. Jefferson. Yep, a flamboyant. Does that surprise you? Flamboyant after being in the uh, they Adam named Sandler. her Harriet Harry. Was Joe Johnson taken or <laughs> Brad Bradley taken? It ran for two years. Harry's Law. Yeah, we're into the second year, but there was the episode was strictly on driving a Mercedes into a community which put an ordinance up and that became the big issue in the courthouse can they get away with that because they were finding her or they were going to tow her car away and then she was going to have oh this was a rental too what she had rented yeah she 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 rented the mercedes to go on quail hunting don't ask me why i mean i've never been quail hunting so i don't know what the advantage but she was going through a community that changed the ordinance that said you cannot drive a foreign car through our community can you imagine anyway that was every once in a while we'll 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 come across a story with the most bizarre uh laws or ordinances in in towns well you know i don't want to get too deep in this but too late there have been stories on uh, AL.com about certain little communities in the state of Alabama, which have been considered traps, if you know what I mean. Not only speed traps, just traps in general. Hmm. Okay. I forgot the community. It was a big story uh, a couple of months ago, though. Uh, I'm look- now, now you got me wondering about some of the most bizarre laws. Um, according to Alabama law, dominoes must not be played on Sundays. It's also illegal to sell peanuts in Lee County after sundown on Wednesdays. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So in other words, if you're out there with peanuts selling, you're liable to be arrested. Yeah. Um, well, you could be charged whether or not you're actually stopped. But, but, uh, dominoes. Hmm. Um, according to this, in Mobile, it's illegal to spray silly string. That actually might be a real thing because of the Mardi Gras. I think I've seen stuff like that before. I should probably check to see if these are actually accurate, but whatever. I mean, it's just radio. Now, what else? According to this report, it's, uh... There's a town in Idaho where frowning is illegal. 
Oh, well, Lee, you can't move there. No, I'm out. <laughs> I'll run you out of town. You better believe it. I have no chance. In Illinois, in Galesburg, Illinois, fancy bike riding is banned. I don't know what that means. Oh, maybe like on one of those real old-timey bikes with like the giant tire in the no, front? No, it's <laughs> you have to ride your bike with both hands on the handlebars. Oh, I and see. no acrobatics. And, and no text, both, both no texting. Feet. You can't text while you're yeah. bicycle riding. Both no feet texting, must remain on the no pedals. And ice cream. Yeah. In Derby, Kansas, hitting a vending machine is prohibited. Oh, you mean like if you can't get your drink out, it gets stuck. Right. You know how people will kick and right. Oh. You know, if you can't get your cherry soda. Pop. Yeah, well, they you know the machine can't fight back. Yeah. I could understand that. Interesting. In Rumford, Maine, it's illegal to uh, bite your landlord. Is that so? Mike Tyson's out. Jeffrey Dahmer's out. Mike Tyson's out. Is that legal in other places though? He can bite you. Yeah, where where can you bite your um, landlord? Can I do it? Whoa! You know, hey, rent to do in a, in a, in a yeah. day. So if I can pull that out uh, this month, hmm. I may. In Natchez, Mississippi, giving beer to elephants is banned. It's like, is that going to be a new movie? Cocaine? Oh no, a beer elephant. Drunk yeah, beer elephant. elephant. Yeah, <laughs> big big. First, it was cocaine bear. Now. And so your question is, who comes up with these things? You're paying, I I assume, I know they don't get a whole bunch of money, you know, these council people, but who comes up with this stuff? I don't know. It's our our politicians hard at work. Oh, here's one. In Wilbur, Washington, riding ugly horses is illegal. That's that's discriminatory. That is. Now that is. I'm shocked and appalled. All right, Jerry Palm is next. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. I mean, this is what you're here for. This kind of content right here. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. You know, it won't be long before we'll be watching. And at 5 o'clock on a Sunday, they'll be posting the teams in the NCAA tournament. We'll all have our brackets and ready to go on Monday. Let's talk uh, about the forthcoming NCAA uh, tournament. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Jerry, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? Fine. Let's start out with this. No less an expert than Sister Jean has picked Kentucky <laughs> to win it all. Who would be your favorite today? Um, gosh. Uh, I think I'd have to go with Alabama. I think I'd go with Alabama. The villain, as some journalists have classified Alabama now, is the villain going into yeah. the tournament? Yeah, but they don't seem to be affected by that. I mean, you know, if if I thought that they would be affected by that, then... You know, I think we would have, first of all, seen it already. Uh, Brandon Miller certainly doesn't seem to be affected by it. Uh, he, you know, the day or the day first game after all that stuff came out, he put up 41 on South Carolina. Um, and they went, I think, it, was it Arkansas next that they yes. beat? Yes. Um, so, 
you know, they don't they don't seem to be affected by it. And as long as they're not affected by it, they look like the best team right now. And I think I should point out to our audience that, you know, those who have not heard Jerry, he's on with his weekly. He's a Purdue guy, went to Purdue, and, and arguably Purdue's got the best big man in basketball. Oh, that, that, there's no arguing that. <laughs> they've got the best big man in basketball. Um, they've got might be the best player in basketball. It's probably going to win uh, the Naismith Award as the best player in basketball. He's had a tremendous season. Um, Purdue's run of play is not very good right now. And I'm a little concerned about how freshman guards are going to play in the tournament. Um, but, you know, Purdue's certainly one of several teams that could win the national championship this year. Jerry Palms, our guest here on WNSP. Uh, you know, we, we joke about uh, and, and kind of laugh because Sister Jean made her, her, her prediction. But uh, Kentucky's one of the teams in the SEC actually kind of trending in the right direction. Give me, give me a couple yeah. of sleepers, not only in the SEC, but in the, in the country you like at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, they would be on the list, Kentucky, because, you know, they're, they're finally coming together. I don't know if they're quite playing at the level that we thought they would, but they're certainly playing a lot better than they were. Um, they, it's kind of funny. You remember last year, North Carolina got hot about mid-February, and they had to just to make the NCAA tournament got in as an eight seed. Uh, and now Kentucky looks like they're kind of on that trend as well from about the same part of the season. But the difference is that last year, North Carolina was getting hot against the worst ACC that may have ever been. Um, and then whereas Kentucky's getting hot against an SEC, you know, that gives them opportunities to, to resume build a little bit. So, um, you know, Kentucky may end up moving up the bracket faster than, North Carolina could have last year, but um, you know, it's, it's a good time to get hot and maybe they'll make a similar tournament run as well. But you know, we're still two weeks to go. We'll see how hot Kentucky you know, stays. North Carolina finally got a quad one win. Where do they stand as far as your bracket? Um, they're still among the first four out. Uh, I think it's going to take more than one, uh, but you know, it's really interesting. You know, the ACC is down again this year. Um, I don't think it's as bad as it was last year because they'll probably put more than just Duke in the top half of the bracket, uh, which is what they did last year. I think you could have like three or maybe even four teams seated above eight. But the the way things are going, Virginia's lost a couple in a row. You know, the, to have a quad one win at home, your opponent has to be in the top 30 of the net. The ACC only has two teams in the top 30 of the net, Virginia and Duke, and they're both in the 20s which means that if those things go a little bit sideways for those two, it's possible that nobody in the ACC would have a conference win at home that qualifies as quad one. That's just amazing to me. I want to ask you about Duke. To me, they're flying under the radar this year. John Shire has hmm. set a Duke record, the first Duke coach ever to win more than 20 games in his first year, yet you hear nothing you know, nationwide much about them. Is this a, is this a, a team that's going to make some noise in the NCAA tournament? Is Duke good? Uh, good question. It's hard to say. I mean, they're 2-7 and seven against Quad 1. Their best wins are Xavier and Iowa. So, that doesn't sound like a team that's a big threat to, to make a run, but you never know. The talent's not the problem. Uh, but it's young. It's a young team. It always is. Uh, John Shire is not getting a lot of attention for his success as a first-year coach because he inherited a great roster, which most first-year coaches don't get to do. Um, so I mean, I'm not—I'm not, not going to be critical of John. He's done a—he's done a fine job, and especially for his first year. But 
um, you know, the reason people aren't talking about Duke is because Duke hasn't done the kind of thing to get people talking about him. Your updated bracket has Auburn as a 10th seed. Your thoughts on the Auburn Tigers? Are they um, are they in for sure? Do they have to no, win? No, not there. Not as a 10 or not. Um, no, I still consider Auburn to be a bubble team. Um, the thing about Auburn is they just—they're two and uh, what, 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 two and eight yeah, against two and quad eight. one. I, I mean, that's—you know—that is not safely in the tournament. You know, they, now they don't really have other than the Georgia loss. They don't really, you know, have bad losses or think that really hurt them. But they've got Alabama and Tennessee left on the schedule, so they could be two and ten against quad one. Well, only one team has ever gotten a in the tournament. With a two and ten record against Quad One, uh, teams have gotten in with fewer than two wins, but they haven't played that many games. So that two and ten, you know, uh, against Quad One entering Selection Sunday is going to be it's going to make Auburn nervous. Who who was that one team besides? Uh, I haven't got it off the top of my head. I'm right. sorry. So um, I'd have to look it up. SEC schools for sure that are in. Um, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, I would think Missouri is probably in A&M. I, uh, it should be in uh, Kentucky. I'm feeling really good about. So those five off the top of my head. And I don't think, like you know, Auburn's a bubble team. Mississippi State still a bubble team. The, you know, teams have work to do. Uh, but, you know, those five I feel pretty good about. What about uh, your top four now, the top line? You said you have Alabama. Who else is on the top line? Yeah. Yeah, it's still the same as when the committee gave it to us a couple of weeks ago, except um, Purdue has fallen to fourth overall and Kansas is third uh, because Purdue um, just lost four out of six, so it's hurt them a little bit. It's uh, They had a cushion, so they haven't fallen off the top line, but they might have uh, on Sunday or Monday's bracket had Texas won this weekend. Um, they may have uh, jumped over Purdue, but they lost two. Arizona lost two. So the teams chasing Purdue also uh, lost, and that's why Purdue's still there. Jerry, before we let you go, i got to ask you something out of left field, man. Earlier today we were having this language <laughs> barrier, uh, and you being where you are geographically, maybe you can help us. We were talking about those carbonated beverages. I was explaining that it's a ge- it's Coke. It's a generic term down here. It's Coke. Do you partake oh, in a it? soft drink, a soda, or a pop where you are? Pop. It's pop where we are. Oh. Although you'll, you'll hear it both ways because people come from you know other places, but – up in the Midwest, it's usually pop. Yeah. So if I walk if I walked into a restaurant and asked, "What kind of soft drinks do you have?" People look at me like I'm crazy, right? No, no, they'll understand what that is. No, so, I mean, if you say soft drinks, that's pretty generic. Uh, right. you, you're more likely to get, you know, maybe a quizzical look if you say soda instead of pop. But even then, you know, people are used to hearing both. What if I ask for sweet tea? Uh, depends on where you are. <laughs> Don't know what it is. They may just, you're not going to see it. It's, it's, it's prevalent up here as yeah. you do in in the south. But you know, like I think you know the, the chains like McDonald's and Chick Fil A both have sweet tea. Yeah. But just you go into a mom and pop place, you, they might just give you a bunch of sugar. This is uh, well, that's all it is anyway. Hey man, that's why we have you on to 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 break it all down for us. And enjoy the the stretch run here. We'll uh, we'll certainly get you back soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks. There you go. Pop up there. How about that? Not where I lived. It was what? Soda? Soda. Mm-mm. I was very unfamiliar when I... 
pop was a term they used to, your dad, people would say, pipe pop or pops. Yeah. I don't like, of, of all the terms, pop is my least favorite of them all. I, I'm with you there. I, I don't agree. like that term at all. For, for a carbonated beverage. <laughs> or to call an individual. <clears throat> yeah. You don't like the you don't like the term pop? Nope. As a so what do your grandkids call you? Grandpa? Lee? You do speak to him, don't you? <laughs> or not better yet, they speak lately. to you. Not lately. <laughs> uh, what do they call me? I can't, I'd have to give it some thought. And is what they call you to your face different than what they call you behind your back? Well that I can't answer. Uh, You'd have to check with my uh my let, own children. Let's uh let's get Mark, Lee's kids you, you on. You got the, a uh, a grandpa name in your pocket. No, they for, they for when I yeah I no I don't because people oh people I know one they, weird they, stuff nowadays they called me Poppy back when but they're grown up now so they don't use that term they anymore. dropped the Y yeah Poppy just call you Pop big it was Poppy you're big, so you you were the original Big Poppy or you're Little Poppy no it, it actually I think it came from I remember now I'm trying to it's coming back where <laughs> Big Poppy was such a, a great term with David Ortiz. And that my my only grandson was then talking about, well, wait a minute, isn't Poppy me? Why yeah. is it David Ortiz? That I know that became kind of a, a funny remark, but uh I was Poppy when when I when he was around. He's uh, he's in Colorado now, so I hardly ever get a you chance to You will now talk be known on the show as Poppy. Poppy Poppy? Poppy C? Pop just Poppy. Yeah, no seed. And no <laughs> big poppy. Just Not poppy. big little little Poppy? No. Cherry Poppy. That's your new nickname. Cherry. Boy, do I miss that. Cherry. Well, I don't want to seem like Cherry Seven I'm... Up. You like oh, that? I love Cherry Seven Up. All right. It's been a long time though. I just I feel like um I I feel like maybe I should get you a little cherry seven up. Just a little like, just just a little sip. Just a, sip? a little taste. Just yeah, a little taste. That's gonna make it even po worse. Poppy needs a taste. The wagon yeah. Again, yeah, right. I'll I'll be in rehab. Poppy needs just a little taste, just Poppy a little flavor. Needs a taste of that cherry. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be all strung out the next day and running through his scoreboards at mock speed. Uh, it's the only way to do it. That's right. People are gonna be wanting to know what's wrong with Lee. Poppy got a got a little, got a little flavor. I don't remember my granddaughters. I. They didn't. They had a different term. Everybody's got different terminology because they have two sets of grandparents, so they don't want to confuse the issue. Hmm. See, I don't get the people who make up all these weird new names. I don't either. Like, I know someone who goes by TT. That is the that is another word for urine. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. It. It. I'm. I'm gonna get my uh, children to just call me father. Not dad, no. Nah. Father, the More formal. formal yeah. Father. You know, I always had. Father! And they have to say it like that. Father! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always had an issue with people that were so concerned about that what they were calling you. And that, that was in the neighborhood here when we first moved to Mobile. Like, your, your kids call you that? Like, yeah, I don't care. What do I care? You know, as my kids get old, as they got older, they just call me by my first name. I, yeah. They have not called me dad in call years. You Mark. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah, they that's do it all the time. Uh, Does that, it bother you? Uh, no. Nah, nah. What do, What do they call you when you were coaching? I, but them? I used to do that. I used to do that. Uh,
right. You guys can jump in. 754 here on a Tuesday. Uh, 694-1055 is the number. Speaking of numbers, you need to get uh, this number down. 463-0031. That's 463-0031. That's the number for Aiden Marks and Medicare Insurance Advisors. Uh, guy can help you with anything and everything related to Medicare if you're, uh, if you're new to the area, if you're close to the retirement age. Um, and you're confused, you need some information, there's plenty of information out there. He can help you navigate all of that. He's helped hundreds just like you in Mobile and Baldwin counties. So uh, if you're tired of nonstop solicitation calls, maybe you need a local agent. He can he can help you. He's local, he's knowledgeable, and, yes, he has a physical location. Go see him in his office, Highway 98, across from Terry Thompson, Chevrolet, and Daphne. You can go see him. He can come see you. Never a fee for his services. That's Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. Let me give you that number again, 463-0031. That's 463-0031. So fans have this uh, poll. I don't know what this stands for, U-N-I-S-W-A-G. And they select the SEC football helmet of the year. Can you guess what school they chose? Uh, I, I guess I got a one in fourteen shot. You do Vanderbilt, Ole Miss won. Ah, Ole Miss got it. But again, I don't know what that stands for. What is it? U N I S W A G. Uniswag. I don't know what that stands for. But so Sands voting it was on Saturday down south. I just happened to spot it. I'm not very observant when it comes to helmets. Uh. You know, I, you, I'm just not. I, I I don't pay that much attention to uniforms and helmets, but Ole Miss got it. I don't know what they win, except maybe some recognition. Okay. For the best helmet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the uh, uni swag. I think is what it is. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I'm not familiar with uni swag, but it's the official source for all uniform news and information. That's what it is. So it sounds like something Ole Miss can put on their resume. There you go. Them. Yep. A lot uh, has happened since Lane Kiffin took over. Um, one of the issues we uh, were talking about earlier uh, was this Brandon Miller. It became a story that Brandon Miller was not named SEC Freshman of the Week. Um I, I'll say this. Uh, this is not a Brandon Miller issue. This is not an Alabama issue. This is an SEC issue. If, if he's good enough for, for to play in a game, then he should have won the award. Uh, it's almost like they're okay with him playing, but don't necessarily want to sh- throw a spotlight on it. No, if he's eligible to play, and he was, and he is, you didn't have a problem with it. The league didn't step in. Not saying they should have, but if he's good, if he's, if he's, eligible to play and played he should have won that award so you're not buying into the fact they want to spread the wealth a little bit the guys won it six times right but at what point do you have that conversation uh after the third time you win it no 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 how about after the fifth no no but if he wins it a sixth time we're going a different way it's just it's coincidence that all this stuff came down on the same week they decided to go a different way i'm calling cap what i think should have happened was he should have won player of the week and then you give Nick Smith freshman of the week yeah. because his numbers certainly were a lot higher than Oscar yeah. from Kentucky. And the fact that they tied for the league title, his he, he scored like 65 points in two games. Yeah. Far and away more than Oscar did. Notice how I avoided the last name. I did. Your basketball player has a first name. Oscar. It's O-S-C-A-R. That's right. 
Uh, someone suggested the opening drive with Big Poppy and Marco. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Big Poppy and Marco? Yeah. Yep. You'd be or okay. the you'd opening okay with drive it? with Marco and Big Poppy. You'd, you'd be okay. With, you, always, you always have to put yourself first. Anyway. I, I've, said, I've said this about naming radio shows. I, this is I've always this has been a pet peeve of mine. I always got a problem naming a show after the host. I yeah. think there are certain instances where you get a pass. There, but generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not either, but what if it's like a big time celebrity like uh yeah, like, like okay. Tim Tebow's running the show or Paul Feinbaum or something like that. Yeah, I mean, again, there are always exceptions. But generally speaking, especially on the local level, I, not a fan. Like, would you be comfortable? I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable hosting or saying, welcome to the Mark Heim show. Or, hey, this is the Lee Shervanian show. I'm Lee Shervanian. That just kind of sounds silly. I don't know. Lee's like, hmm, I like <laughs> Yeah, he was like, I kind of like that. <laughs> Pass me another Cherry 7 up. All right, hour number welcome, three is Welcome next. to the Mark Heim show. Mark's off today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dean Blandino is next. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Hey, it's 8.04, hour number three already. It's the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee. Thanks for making us part of your morning. We have congratulated uh, St. Luke's uh, basketball team. They won the semifinal game yesterday, 63-56 to over uh, Mars Hill Bible. They will advance to the state championship game this coming Friday. It'll be a 10.45 game. They'll take on Aliceville. Today, UMS Wright in action, the girls at three. Uh, Bryce Young says uh, he's not going to throw at the combine. He'll be up there for interviews and other business, but not throwing. He'll wait till the Alabama Pro Day camp. Really pleased now to bring in Dean Blandino. He's a rules analyst for Fox Sports, serves as the head of officiating for the XFL in 2023. They just started. They've been in there for two weeks now. Also served as the NFL's vice president of officiating for four years, or actually five years, from 2013 to 2017, but is very much a part of that. Dean's been getting a lot of play on these XFL games. Dean, welcome to the opening kickoff here in Mobile. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, this is a vision question. you got some interesting new rules in this XFL. I've watched a few of the games. What rule or rules might you like to see or could we see in the NFL maybe in a couple of years? Well, I think one that, that I, the NFL is, is going to look at and have some, some serious conversations about is the fourth and 15 onside kick alternative. And I think that's something that has been proposed before in the NFL. And I know they're interested in, in how our, our rule plays out. We've already had a couple of, of opportunities for teams one in, in week one with St. Louis coming back and completing, uh, you know, converting that fourth and 15. So I think that's one that we might see sooner rather than later, or at least have a pretty good discussion. And, uh, and I think that might be a, a possibility for the NFL. I think, I think 
Dean, thanks for joining us. I, I do think uh, a lot of fans like the idea, and this probably leads to another conversation altogether. My biggest issue with that, though, is I just feel like, man, defensive holding, pass interference, all of a sudden fourth and 15 because of an automatic sure. first down. Yeah. But if we somehow take that penalty away, now guys are like grabbing on purpose. Like, I just think it opens a, a whole nother issue, a box of issues there. Well, there's no question. And, and that that illegal contact or that defensive holding that ends up being an automatic first down is, is big on a play like that. Sure. And I think that's something you have to work out. And that that goes back to right the, the Super Bowl where you had you had defensive holding that ended up being a, a big first down in that game and, and how do the officials officiate that? And like you said, if you don't if you don't officiate the play, then the defense can take advantage. Uh, and, and you don't have as much opportunity for fouls on the onside kick. But last year, the onside kick was, was at an historic low in terms of success rate. It was right around 4%. And the onside kick is such an important part of the game when you talk about comebacks because if you don't have a, a viable opportunity to get the ball back after scoring, if you're down two or three scores at a certain point in the fourth quarter, that game's over, and that, that's something I know the NFL, whether it's NFL, college, XFL, whatever league it is, that's not a good thing for the game. Dean, let me ask you something. This is maybe behind the scenes, and, and I'm sure you get feedback on this. Would the NFL be prone to look at the XFL and say, ah, you know, that's a spring league. We're not going to adopt any of their rules. Or are they intrigued by it, and they're not going to snub their nose because maybe they feel it's an inferior league? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the, the NFL, I've been a part of the, the, the NFL competition committee meetings for a long time, and they don't, they don't look at it and say, well, we're the NFL and this is a spring league or, or the CFL or arena. They look at everything because when you take that type of approach, you're trying to make the NFL game the best it could possibly be, and so you're looking for ideas from, from a lot of different sources. And so I think, and we've got a really good relationship with NFL, whether it's the football operations competition committee and, uh, and some good healthy conversations, even going into our season. And, and as we were putting the rules together and there's some things that they wanted us to look at because um, they're thinking about it. So I think they take a, a, a positive approach to spring football or other, other organizations, because again, you're, you're, there's no, there's no bad place to get a good idea, and I think that's really important. How about this? How about the kickoffs, too? Uh, what I like about the XFL, XFL is that we have kickoff returns now, whereas in the NFL, you don't get that many. No question. I think the XFL kickoff, the way it was designed, it was designed to do a couple things. Number one is to keep the return in the game. Like you said, the NFL, they return less than 40% of all kickoffs, and and you look at the Super Bowl and there wasn't a kick return in the game where the XFL were returning over 90% of our kicks. But the goal was not just keep the return in the game, but to, to make it a safer play for, for the players. So eliminating um, the opportunity for high-speed collisions where you can't have that on a more traditional kickoff where players are running long distances and they have more time to build up speed and then, and then have those collisions. I think the XFL kickoff is something the NFL has looked at. And, again, based on their injury data, if, if kick returns, which it has in the past from time to time, have a, has a higher rate of injury, then I think the NFL will continue to look at 
look at that play, and the XFL kickoff, I think, is a, is a viable option. What is the biggest criticism? When you come on shows like this or you talk to fans in general, what's their biggest gripe uh, with officiating or rules as it pertains to the NFL right now? Well, I think it's the transparency, and that was something that was really important to us in the XFL. I think sometimes you'll see a, a call made, especially a replay decision, and you don't you don't get the why. What you fans kind of don't understand what happened, and and I think for us with the XFL is we're allowing people to listen in and see the process work out and, and listen to the conversation, whether it's a conversation I'm having with myself in the command center or a conversation I'm having with the with the referee on the field. And you might not always agree with the ultimate ruling, but at least you're going to understand how we got there. And I think that's something fans would like more of in the NFL because you do hear that from, from time to time. They just don't understand. And they come away with, a, with kind of a bad feeling, and then you get into this whole idea of conspiracy theories and it's scripted and things like that, which, which is certainly not the case. But I think if you could just hear and listen and, and watch the process, I think you could eliminate some of that. Are you going to suggest that? Is that possible that the NFL would go to the command center and, and, and rather than we sit and watch the guy peeking into the little camera for about 10 minutes or so? Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I think the NFL has, has some challenges um, with pulling the curtain back all the way. There's games, right, with the XFL, we have the benefit of just one game at a time, where the NFL, an early window on Sunday, you could have eight or nine games. So it's a, it's a little more hectic. There's more going on. But I think more transparency, even if it's just explaining something after the fact, and they've done a, a better job trying to do that. There's, they've got a Twitter account, NFL officiating Twitter account, trying to explain things. Uh, and, and anything that they can do to help explain the why behind these decisions, I think I think fans will appreciate that. So, Dean Blandino, our guest here on WNSP, probably a long-winded question here, but clearly things have gotten more complicated when it comes to the game of football rules, officiating, what's a catch we could do a whole segment on, right? There, we're asking uh, these guys to watch these Six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound guys running mock speed in a very confined area on these bang bang plays to to kind of process a lot here. And we've gotten to the point where I feel like instant replay has become more of a crutch, you know, let it play out. How do we is there a way to simplify the game now, Dean, or is or are we we can't put that genie back in the bottle? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's in some in some ways it's tough to put the genie back in the bottle, but I do think there's a way, and I agree. It, to some degree, replay has become a crutch where there's less officials on the field or less decisive because they know if they rule one way, replay can fix it. If they rule another way, replay can't fix it. And, and so that impacts their decision-making. And we've got to get away from that, and we have to let officials officiate the game and give them rules that they can officiate consistently. Catch-no-catch no catch is a great example where the rule for many years it was written so that the on-field official could make decisions in real time consistently, right? The bang-bang play was incomplete, those types of things. But with yeah. the, the implementation of replay, and now we're looking at it in super slow motion and from all different angles, the rule has become more of a replay rule and more of a technical rule, which is really hard for an on-field official because there's a disconnect, right? The on-field official sees it once at full speed from their, advance, from their angle. 
we get to analyze it then from four or five different angles and super slow motion and things like that. And I think there's a way where we can just continue to simplify the rules in terms of let the on-field official officiate the game. Let replay be an aid on the big game-changing plays when there is an obvious mistake. And if we can stick to that, that formula, I think we'll be in a good place going forward. Dean, let me ask you something. Are officials graded to a sense where when plays are overturned, that's held against an official? Well, yeah, they're graded. I think a lot of people don't realize how much goes into the evaluation process for the officials. They, they officiate a game, and then that game is evaluated on a couple of different levels. There's former officials who are, who are in, the, in the league office that evaluate that game. Then there's a, um, the, the head of officiating will go through that. And so every play of every game is evaluated. Every call that they make, every time they throw a flag, that, that, that is graded. And those evaluations, certainly if a call is overturned and it's obvious that the official should have gotten that correct initially, that's, that's a, what's considered a downgrade. And those grades accumulate throughout the season, and then that will decide how an official grades out over the year will decide whether that official gets a postseason assignment and ultimately stays in the league. If they don't grade out well, um, they could get released from the league, and that, that happens every year. It's not, a, it's not really publicized, but that, that does happen. So let me ask you this. Officials on the field, do you think, and I'm sure you talk to them, uh, are they bothered by, let's say, the TV rules analyst up in the booth who's coming out and saying that should be changed and then it's not? I mean, that they're being second-guessed? Yeah, I don't think they're bothered if it's if the, the way it's articulated by the rules analyst, and I do that for Fox Sports, if it's done in a respectful way, my job as a rules analyst is to explain the rule, explain what the officials are looking at or what replay official was looking at, and then give my opinion on the play. And I've disagreed with calls before, but I think there's a way to do it in a, in a respectful way where, where the officials don't, that, that doesn't bother them. And they know they're under such intense scrutiny at, on so many different layers like we just talked about, whether it's players, coaches, fans, then you get your own evaluation system, the media. So they that's the world that they live in, and they understand that going in. But as a rules analyst, there's a way to do it respectfully where the officials don't, don't see it as a negative. May I uh, venture into college football for a second? Do you mind? Sure. What do you think about these new clock changes, especially keeping the clock running after an incomplete pass, except in the final two minutes? I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. I think when you look at college football, college football is different from the NFL in that the NFL, the, the style of play, well, where teams may have different styles, the, the tempo, everything, it's, it's more consistent across the board. Where in college football, you have certain, certain programs that just like to go fast and get as many snaps as they can and, and, and other programs that don't do that. It's kind of you end up with – the game, I think college football, obviously we have a longer we have a longer halftime in college, but you average somewhere three sixteen, three seventeen, three hours and seventeen minutes a game where the NFL is closer to three hours. So anything they can do, not it's not necessarily about game length, it's about number of snaps, number of plays. Because if you talk about expanding the CFP to twelve teams and ask these student athletes to play a full season, regular season of football, a championship game possibly, and then up to four more games in a postseason, that is a lot of additional snaps. And so you have to protect the student athlete. I think it's good that they're looking at that to reduce the number of snaps. 
um, reduce the number of plays. And, and so whether it's not stopping the clock after first down outside two minutes, not stopping the clock, like you said, after an incomplete pass, I think those are good things that the college rules committee needs to look at. And uh, they're going to have those conversations this week in Indianapolis, and we'll see how it, how it plays out. Just another minute or two with Dean Blandino. Uh, a lot of those out there, uh, uh, fans or whatnot, will always talk about, man, referee officiating would be better if there, it was a full-time gig. Do you buy into that? Do you think that would improve whatever perception is out there about officiating? Uh, yeah, I've heard that a lot. I don't I don't agree or disagree. Anytime, anytime you can spend... Look at them Jaguars, look at them Jaguars, love the way they play that game. Look at them Jaguars, scoring them I gotta wait for the brain, hang on. Sunbelt's gonna be their fame. All right, sorry, we're running out of time. Go. Yeah. All right, if you want to go see the Jags, you go see the Jags play Friday night against Pepperdine. They're one of the teams coming in for... Uh, a get together this weekend. I think Iowa's coming in for a game, and uh, there's four. There's three teams coming in. The Jags will host Pepperdine. Here's your question: Name the South Alabama, the former Jag, who was called up last year and helped the Cardinals make it to the postseason. He batted 285 for the Cardinals, had five home runs, and also played a number of positions. Name that former Jag. It was his first year. Had a really good year for the Cardinals. You get four tickets for Friday night's Jags-Pepperdine game. All right. Look at that. Lee just giving stuff away. I've, I've said this nice before, job, Mark. Nice job, When I was driving, uh, I, I don't remember what it was for, but I was in California, and we were going by the mountains, and I said, gosh, what's that up there? And they said, oh, that's the Pepperdine campus. And I had always held out hope that someday I'd get a chance to – broadcast uh, a game from there but I never did up you there in never Malibu did. never in Malibu you know Pepperdine was supposed to host Alabama this past week but with the the weather situation they they canceled out so now Pepperdine's coming here all right when we come back South Alabama basketball coach Richie Riley scheduled to join us as we uh, start to wind down a Tuesday edition right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com stay with us Welcome back in, boys and girls. This is the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, from the studios of WNSP. All right, Nick tells me we did not get a winner yet for those four Jag baseball tickets for Friday night's home game against Pepperdine. One more time, name the rookie, the former 
South Alabama. He was called up rookie that helped the Cardinals reach the postseason this past year, played a number of positions, uh, played infield, played some outfield, hit over 280. If you know the answer, who that player was, you get four tickets. Should we talk some basketball now with uh, Richie Riley, the head coach of the surging South Alabama Jags? Richie, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. Good. I know the answer to that trivia. Can I get the tickets or should I leave it for somebody else? Uh, I can. Well, we're hoping you're going to still be in Pensacola. <laughs> I, hoping you're, I hope you're still in Pensacola. I better, I better, I'm, I'm hopeful we are, too, so I'm going to leave it for somebody else, but I do know the answer. I, uh, I'm hoping uh, somebody will call in and, and, and take the tickets to go see Pepperdine in South Alabama. Richie, B., uh, to get started, uh, give us the lowdown, your thoughts on the brackets for the Sunbelt Conference uh, basketball tournament, when you play, where, when, and let everybody know what's going on. Yes, it's, the tournament actually starts tonight or this this evening, um, the first round of it. Um, we were fortunate enough to not have to play in the first round. So we, we open up at 11.30 Thursday morning um, against App State, who we've played once this year. The tournament's in Pensacola, Florida at the Bay Center. It's a great venue. Um, I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that our fans will travel down and, and see our guys play. Um, it, the last time, um, the last couple of times we've played down there, we've had a pretty good, pretty good fan base travel, and um, we're hopeful that'll happen. It's going to be a heck of a tournament. I mean, there's to to me, there's nine or ten teams that that could win it. I don't know if there's another conference tournament in the country with as much parity and as many teams that could possibly win the tournament. So, you know, come down, watch us play, stick around, watch the other games. And um, it, it should be a really good tournament. If memory serves me correct, you did very well against App State this year. So uh, this would be your second meeting, but you, you pretty well had a number, uh, had their number. We played well against them. We played really well. It was one of our better games. Um, but they're they're good. I mean, it's everybody we play in our league is so good. I mean, it's it's really unfair. It's a one bid league. How how tough it is. I mean, it's it, it's going to be it's going to be a incredible tournament there should be so many good games and tournament plays so different you know i i went into these these tournaments you know my my first year here we had really struggled with louisiana and we we beat them in the in the second round of the tournament down in new orleans and we had struggled with them all year and then last year we lost jj chandler at the end and we had beat little rock really bad and they upset us in the first round so it's just difference winner go home time and you hope that you're playing your best basketball um down there and you're just trying to survive in advance you know the way the the way the bracket goes is if we win the first game then we would have friday off and play saturday so that you know it sets up pretty good if you can find a way to win you get a day of rest and a day of preparation before you play again there was a time where Southern Miss was racking up win after win. They had an unbelievable record. Then they came to Mobile. You beat them pretty handily, and I think they've lost a game or two. I was wondering at that time if maybe the Sun Belt could get two teams in based on what Southern Miss, but I think that's calling by the wayside now that Southern Miss doesn't have that kind of uh, ranking or net ranking that could get them in if, even if they don't win this, the uh, Sun Belt tournament. Yeah, they, they've won a lot of games, but no, they're not going to get in. I, I think with the landscape of college basketball right now, 
you would have to run the table in our league, basically, you know, and I don't, I don't know how anybody can do that with 14 teams, as good as all the teams are, you would, you know, everything's monopolized with the power five. I mean, you're looking at some teams in the big 12 right now that have 13, 14 losses and they're projected to be a seven seed. Um, and that's just how it is now. You know, Conference USA outside of FAU's had a magical year, so I feel like they should get one if they don't win a tournament. But might not. You know, same thing with Charleston. Um, College of Charleston's had a big-time year. They're projected out of the tournament right now if they don't win their conference tournament. And they've won, like, 28 games. So it's a different landscape. You know, back in the day when Coach Ellis was here, they never won a Sunbelt tournament. And they got bids, you know. And the last time South Alabama went, they didn't win the Sun Belt tournament and got a bid. Those days are over. It's not going to happen. I mean, they, unless you go 30 and 1, I mean, and all of the teams in our league, we play by games. We have to play by games. So it's hard to it's hard to rack up 30 wins. Um, so it, right now we're one bid league, and I don't see it changing it. Well, you're um, right. Definitely any, anytime soon. South Alabama men's basketball coach Richie Riley, you brought up a uh, kind of a great moment. You're right. When Ronnie Arrow came back for his second year, uh, second term, I'm sorry, second term as head coach, that year they went as an at-large. And during that year, I know they had that win over Mississippi State. That's the year we went and took on Butler up in uh, Birmingham. That did go too well up there, though. <laughs> and that Butler was pretty good. Yeah, he had a really good team. Um, yeah, though, I wish that it was still like that. You know, um, it's just not. You know, if my first year here, no, I take that back. It was the year, it was my last year at Nichols, and I had just gotten this job, and Louisiana had won, I think it was 20, so they were like 27 and four or something. And they had won the regular season, some belt, and they got upset in the tournament. And, they didn't even get a one seat in the NIT and they had a couple power five wins, um, in the nine kind, if I remember correctly, it's, um, the, the landscape has just changed so much in college basketball. It's since I started, I just turned 40, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but since I started, it's changed so much and they've made it almost impossible for mid majors to get, to get a bid. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's if you're in the power five and you're, you can be below 500 in your league, lose 13, 14 games and get in the tournament comfortably. Now um, it's just, it's just a different time. Coach, uh, go over some of the uh, players on your team that were honored by the Sunbelt this week. Yeah, we had another first team, all league guy and he, he was deserving. Isaiah Moore was a division two transfer uh, from Franklin Pierce. Had an incredible has had an incredible year for us. 18 points a game, over 50 percent from the field, four assists. Um, he's just really been he, he's been our our Mister Everything man. He's he's carried us so many games. Um, and then you got Kevin Samuel, who just won Defensive Player of the Year. So that's back to back. He won the A Sun last year when he was at Florida Gulf Coast, and then he won it here. Um, and he was also third team all league. So really proud of those guys that came in and they played one year for us and and maximized it. Had had great years. And um, you know, Isaiah Moore is a really cool story because he had zero division one offers out of high school. He went to Franklin Pierce, 
became a Division II All-American and then got this opportunity and ran with it. Um, so it's really cool to see to see him get first-team All-League honors. And you also had, uh, what I, I believe, the Defensive Player of the Year on your team, right? Yeah, Kevin Samuels, Defensive Player of the Year and third-team All-League. Um, and he's, he's one of the most... He's one of the most decorated college bigs, you know, ever. You know, he's he's in the top very few in rebounding blocks. Uh, he just had a tremendous college career. And um, both those guys have a bright future when they leave here uh, playing professionally somewhere. When is the championship game of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament? When will that be played? It's Monday night at 6 o'clock, I think. Here we are into March Madness. Sure. It's, it's, it's going to be hot and heavy with all these games coming on. I can't wait. All right, Richie, let me ask you this. Uh, it, it, I'm not gonna, we're not going to tape this. We're not going to play it back. But as you know or may not know, Sister Jean, who is now 103 years old, was on Good Morning America. She picked Kentucky to win it all this year. I'd like to get you, who, which team would you say right now? And, of course, things can change, of course, injuries, things like that. Which team out there do you think has the best chance to win the NCAA tournament this year? It's hard because there's a lot of parity out there. Um, it's just it's a, it's a it's a year where there hasn't been one team just run away and and showcase how good they are um, or how much better they are than everybody else. It, my my pick. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay right here in, in the state, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with my man Nate Oates in Alabama um, for Brandon Miller to take him on one of these magical rides, kind of like Carmelo did at Syracuse as a freshman and, and win it. But there's so many that you know Purdue's really good. It could be a dark horse year where somebody we're not even thinking about. It's one of those years, but I, we played Alabama. I've seen up close how good they are early in the year. They continue to get better and better. And um, I think they have one of those teams that can kind of own those moments. You know, you got you got to have that star, and they have that. And then you got to have some guys that are capable of stepping up and, and performing in those moments. And I think they have that, you know, with the supporting cast around them. It's funny you mentioned it's not funny you mentioned it, but uh, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, was on with us at 7.30. He's a Purdue alum. He picked Alabama to win it all. Richie, when you played them, did you did you have any idea at that time that this Alabama team was going to be this good? Where they're just on, they've already clinched a tie for the SEC championship, and all they have to do is win one more game, and they win it. Yeah. Afterwards, I I, I said I said this I told the story. I said when we played Auburn, my first game of the year, or maybe my first game of my tenure here. We went down to Auburn and played them um, five years ago and got beat. It was like 60, got drilled. And after the game, I don't even know that they were ranked in the top 25 at that time, maybe 20-something. I said in the press conference, I said, that this team is Final Four good. I really felt that way. And they end up going to Final Four and a crazy player they would have played for a national championship. And I, I said the same thing. It, it reminded me of that when we played Alabama. Um they were they were that good. When you see them up close, they're so much longer. Like Brandon Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney and Betty Ako up front, incredible length, man, and athleticism. And then their guards just play at a great pace. And you know, 
Quinterly's looking more like Quinterly. Sears has came in and been incredible. Burnett's back. Jaden Bradley's kept getting better. So when I, I told I told I said I think this team could be like a Final Four national contender type good. And they've turned out to be that. They've they've I, I think they should be number one in the country, you know, and that's not a knock on Purdue. I think Purdue's really good too. But you look at the schedule they played in the nine kind and who they beat and you look at what they've been able to do in the SEC and you know, I feel like they're the best team in the country right now. Can I tell you a quick little story? Because sometimes coaches make the best predictors. Back when in the mid-70s when I was doing Rutgers basketball. Uh, speaking about the Eagles, remember back when when uh, the coach, uh, assistant coach at Georgia was a candidate? Glenn Schumann's name was mentioned for the Alabama defensive coordinator's position. Well, he apparently uh, was interviewed. Not apparently, he was interviewed by the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, has decided to return to Georgia. Hey, Nick, on this Lakers deal, you know, it's not as precarious as it looks. They're 12th in the league. You know, you have to be in the top 10, but they're only like a half a game at a ninth place. And I think they're only like a game and a half at a seventh. So there's plenty of time, and all they have to do is – you know, not much ground to make up. Yeah, they can just keep winning and playing like they have been. It'll be tough without LeBron for the next few weeks. I would say if LeBron was playing, it'd be a guarantee that they're in. Um, with him missing these next couple games, makes it more up in the air. I, I don't know, because every other team is also trying to get in. They're not trying to tank. Utah is still trying to get there. Minnesota, Portland... New Orleans, I, I don't know, OKC, I don't know what team falls out of that, that the Lakers take their place. It'll be, it'll be close, because D'Angelo Russell, he's hurt too. Well, if, you know, what if uh, Zion doesn't come back, and he hasn't been there, and they ha- they've been a so-so team without him, what if he doesn't come back? Right now, the Pelicans are in, well, they're tied for 10th, but they're 13 games out, and the Lakers are 13 and a half. And then you've got, you move up, you mentioned some of those. The Warriors, for instance, they're seventh at 11 and a half out. So the Lakers are only like two back of them. And you know the Warriors don't play well on the, with, on the road. And they don't have Curry. Right. I know. It's going to be interesting. Whoever the, the one and two seeds are, they're going to have a pretty tough matchup with whoever comes out of that play-in. Can you imagine being the one seed and having to face LeBron and the new-look Lakers in the first round, that could be tough. Changing leagues, the Hawks, your favorite team, they're in eighth place. They've got a one game over 500. And on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk with the voice of the Hawks, the TV voice, Bob Rathman. I think you're looking forward to that. Yeah, I am. Quinn Snyder uh, just hired him from Utah. He did great out there for the eight seasons he coached over there. And now he's our new head coach, and he's uh, starting tonight, I believe. That's right, and we'll have Bob on tomorrow morning after that game. So let me just say this, NBA Knowledge with you and Stephen Root on WNSP Now. That's right. If you want to hear uh, some unfiltered, long NBA discussion uh, every Thursday, you can check out the double team with me and everyone's favorite, Stephen Root. Uh, Anywhere you get your podcast, just search WNSP Now, the double team. You can hear us every week talking NBA. Who's doing the NFL? That's going to be Michael Brauner, and that first episode's coming out next week. 
It's going to be Michael Bronner and Owen something. I, I don't know the last name. We can make one up. And on the baseball, Joey Warner. Joey Warner's doing baseball. That's, That's right. Uh, the batter's box, that'll be up today at noon. If you like baseball, I, uh, this week's episode has MGM's coach and the Bishop State coach on. So, All right, we'll uh, call it a day. Uh, Mark will be back Thursday. He's going to be up there in Birmingham watching McGill-Tulin. Hopefully they'll get a semifinal win. UMS Wright girls play today. On tomorrow's show, a couple of South Alabama Hall of Famers. Ronnie Arrow is going to sit in, and Luis Gonzalez is going to join us. Talk some of the baseball rules. Nick, great job. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 6 to 9. Dan Patrick is next on WNSP and WNSP.com.